All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Ashraf Hutchcraft. This is my co-host. Hi, I'm Kaylee. <laughs> and this is the EUC Changemakers podcast. Welcome, welcome listeners uh, to season two. Today we have wonderful guests, the previous co-chair of UCSA and the graduate student in Black Studies and Race and Racism, Nati Zamisa, and the current chair of UCSA, Summer Solms. The subject of today's podcast will be what is UCSA, what is the EUC, and about the student strike that was thankfully avoided earlier this year. But before we get into all that, I would like to begin with some acknowledgements. The first is for the EUC Dean, Alice Havorka, for supporting our student outreach initiatives. The second is to Rosanna Chowdhury, the Experiential Education Coordinator, who's a fantastic resource for jobs and work-related opportunities in the EUC. And the last, but certainly not the least, is to the Huron-Wendat, Anishinaabe, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations Peoples, who hold the treaty or rights to the dish with one spoon wampum belt, which governs all of the Great Lakes. And without these first people of Turtle Island, we would not be here today. So they deserve to be thought of in all aspects of our continued activities. Now, here we get into the meat and potatoes of our podcast. My first question is for Summer. What is the EUC and UCSA? Hi, Ash. Hi, Kaylee. Hi, Nancy. First of all, thank you all for having me today. Um, to answer your question, what is EUC and UCSA? We'll start with the EUC. It is the new faculty of environmental and urban change, the merging of the previous faculty of environmental studies with the Department of Geography from the faculty of LAPS or uh, liberal arts and professional studies, that is. So that means we've got new programs, new certificates, new courses, a lot of fun stuff and a bigger community of bold thinkers with the ambition to create positive change. And that's my favorite part right there. But the basis of EUC is fundamentally a call to action in response to some of the most pressing challenges that are facing our humanity here, uh, the planet as a whole. And um, a lot of the new courses that have precipitated from this new faculty have been created to directly address the climate crisis, uh, biodiversity loss, and uh, intensive urbanization with a focus on how these dynamics impact the most vulnerable among us. So that's a bit about EUC. Now, what is YUXA? YUXA is the student government that operates within the faculty of EUC, and that stands for the Environmental and Urban Change Students Association. So we create opportunities for academic, professional, and personal growth while advocating for political, social, and environmental justice activism. So in all, we are your student representatives that work with you and for you to make your university experience aerolic in good time. But the fun part about Yuxa is that we are family, first and foremost. See, we are a movement for making your green dreams come true because each and every student within the faculty of EUC is a member of our team and an ambassador for the work that we do in each of our programs. So Yuxa is not just, and in a comparative sense, a high school student council. We are a group of people with aspirations to leave a legacy that speaks to the hearts of those future generations succeeding us. We want to make a difference and we want to do it together. 
And I hope that answers your question, Ash. So a little bit more on that note, Summer, if I could just add another question. Who would be part of UCSA then and what can they do to participate? Everyone, 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 everyone is a part of UCSA, okay? Now, more legally speaking, as it is written in our constitutions, <laughs> we have both the general and executive memberships. I mean, the only difference there is that the executives have more of a hand in managing team operations, kickstarting events, workshops, initiatives within the faculty. And of course, that would require more of an election process. But the general membership is automatic upon enrollment into your program. The only difference there is having to activate that. What does that look like? contacting Yuxa through our socials or contacting us through our email, getting in touch with one of the representatives, we can show you what positions are available. And that's when you can start to realize some of the dreams or desires that you have for the faculty, for the students, for the campus, for the world. And we try to make that happen as a group. So I'm going to just plug right now, yuxa.yu, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, hit us up. DM us, follow us. Uh, and then if you want to email us, that's yuxa.yu at gmail.com or for comments and queries directly for chair, uh, such as myself or my co-chair Maya, you can email us at yuxa.chair at gmail.com. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so what, what are some of the events that Yuxa does? For shizzle. Okay, so some of our events, we've got Welcome Back Mixers. Those are the social type events for people to socialize, network, make friends, play games, chill. We're just trying to welcome everybody back to the grind. We got uh, the one coming up in September and then one in the new year. We also do seasonal events. <clears throat> My favorite, Halloween Week, which is a green version of Halloween, where we basically celebrate the day as a week-long event <laughs> with eco-friendly tips and tricks for costume making, etc. We also have a week for Christmas-themed events in the wintertime. And for skill development and networking, we collaborate with our experiential education coordinator, Rosanna Chowdhury, to make more personal development workshops like skills and resume writing. And we host uh, alumni panels to meet graduates from the faculty. And last year, actually, we kickstarted our first ever fundraiser, which our wonderful um, previous co-chair, Natsi, who's with us today, kickstarted called Change for Change, where we had our team put together sort of a digital at-home survival guide amidst the pandemic with recipes and tips on a variety of topics like gardening, exercising, etc. And, and the money was raised and split between Black Lives Matter Toronto, Black Creek Community Farms, and the Homelessness Hub to support community groups that work tirelessly to make York and, and beyond more of a, a healthier and inclusive space for all. And one last question for you, Summer. So with the recent merger between FES and the Department of Geography, um, we felt that there might be some confusion among students. So where can they go to get more clarity about their respective programs or if they're legacy students about the new programs? Oh man, the confusion is real. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the faculty of EUC website, which is euc.yorku.ca, it's actually pretty resourceful in terms of discovering what's new in the faculty, uh, what's, uh, what different programs there are, new certificates. However, for the legacy students uh, looking to inquire about programs and certificate switches or just in general about where they are in their program, I recommend that you get in contact with your student success coordinator. That would be Ann T 
for the environmental studies legacy students, such as myself uh, and you as well, Kaylee, uh, or Anne Ralph for the geography legacy students, such as Ash, and you can book an appointment with them. They're super kind and caring, very flexible when it comes to meeting up for discussion, and they will have the answers to most of these questions. Um, for example, I was switching from an old certificate, sustainable energy, to the new one, which I believe is climate solutions and, and sustainable energy. Anyways, I, I spoke with Anne, and she got me the information I needed on how to make that switch. So shoot them an email if uh, you are an environmental studies student, that would be ntsir at yorku.ca or Anne Ralph. This is Anne with an E, very important. It's Anne with an E, R at yorku.ca and shoot them an email. Thank you, Kaylee. Both Anne's in my experience are extremely helpful and Absolutely. very kind and punctual on their responses to your emails. So definitely shoot them a message if you have any questions. They're really, really great. They're living encyclopedias. That's all I have to say. Honestly. <laughs> okay, so my next question is, um, it's relating to when how you mentioned urbanization and either either uh, you, Summer, or Nati can, can answer this one, but we do have urban studies as a course. So how does that, how does urban studies as a course teach us about the effects of urbanization, both from a environmental perspective and from a social perspective? Summer, I mean, you, you've been hard hitting with the answers. You're just coming with your A game. And uh, Nancy, Nancy, <laughs> my, my throat right now, if you could see the can of LaCroix that I have in front of me, I'm always <laughs> plugging for LaCroix, by the way, guys, any grocery store, health food section. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I can I can try I can try to start us off, you know. Um, wow, this is, a, this is a really, really great question. And I think it starts with like looking at, you know, what the urban is, right? And we had a course, I guess, before the merger that, that some folks might not be too familiar with, but I think it's still kind of uh, uh, handling its way through EUC. And that was urban and regional environments. And understanding that, you know, the urban is, is something that we constructed and it's one of those constructed environments, right? Um, and really what, what we did in the faculty was explore the kind of relationships that happen there, the kind of interactions that happen in the different environments, how, you know, when you start to construct or create an environment, you actually are producing, uh, you know, a downstream effect that multiplies and creates other environments. And, you know, the, the way that it connects with planning is that uh, when you can see and analyze the kinds of interactions that are happening there, well, you can effectively plan and you can also learn from the mistakes uh, of planners that were there in the past, right? So looking at Go the uh, revitalization period. Sorry, yeah, it's a really, really great. I, anybody get into urban and regional environments. It was fantastic. And then in your master's, you can go and do your law degree. It's it's just <laughs> learn, learn more from UCSA, learn more from EUC, but you know, just to kind of close the loop on the question, it it's learning from the mistakes of the past and, and the way that different environments were produced and the way that they interact with each other and trying to foster and create the best kind of environments, whether they're ecological, social, built, physical, whatever that might be. Uh, for, for future generations, right? And, and that's kind of the whole goal, right? It's about preserving these environments and, you know, when necessary, uh, uh, you know, no longer preserving them or conserving them because they tend to have a particular impact on maybe certain folks from certain groups that access certain environments. Um, okay, that, that was great. Um, do you have any, any questions, anything to say, Kaylee, before we move on to the next subject? Uh, no, I'm good. Other than like, it's great that, you know, this entire program is about seeing the interconnections between human and nature, and just really about how we can improve and plan for the future better and just hope that our 
you know, our impact is a positive one. I think that's really what this entire faculty is just trying to push, which is, it's really, it's inspiring. It gives me hope, it gives me hope. <laughs> that's good. We, we need a lot of that right now. We, we kind of need a healthy dose of hope. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to the next subject. Ooh, dear, the next subject. Um, earlier this year, there was talk of a student strike. A resident expert in labor relations here. So, what is a student strike? How is that different from just a regular run-of-the-mill strike? Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you for putting me on a high pedestal. But it just means that a little bit further to fall when my expertise don't come in clutch, but. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Um, you know, uh, like a strike is is pretty simple. It's not it's not crazy. It's a protest, right? It's it's obviously there's something that that's that's going on that's angering a bunch of group of folks, and you know they they want to make sure that people are aware of it, right? Uh, a student strike isn't isn't that different. You know, typically strikes uh, it's the organized withdrawal of labor in the workplace and in other places. Again, it's just a, a collective protest, a show of collective power, um, but. What makes student strikes at York University, and, and this year there was talk of a strike, I still think that there's possibility of a strike, um, depending on whether or not collective agreements are ratified, because we're, we're still technically in this ratification negotiation period. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what, what differentiates York University's student strike from maybe, you know, another strike is that it's a combination of both things. It's a combination of, you know, an organized withdrawal of labor and, you know, a, a, the protest and a, a collective demonstration of power. Um, and really, generally, at York University, what's amazing is that it's led by graduate students, right? So the faculty tend to get on board. You know, in 2018, there was a, a, another strike and, you know, graduate students were really, really involved because what's happening or what tends to be happening. And, you know, this is to no fault of York University, but, you know, to the fault of the way that neoliberalism impacts different institutions, mm -hmm. uh, is that there's a real leaning of how much money is going into education, specifically publicly funded money. Right, universities, public institutions, uh, post-secondary institutions, to some degree, even you know, charter high schools that you could go to, um, they're they're really cutting back, right? And for graduate students, that means that all of this hard work that you put into, uh, you know, getting to your PhD or getting to your master's, uh, you're going to get less, right, than than the other generations before you, and and maybe not less in terms of your real wage, uh, but less in terms of your actual ability to use that wage, sort of the buying power that's behind that wage even if they give you the same as the last year, right? If there isn't an increase, and right now during the pandemic, this is really timely. Uh, if there isn't an increase, you're actually losing money, right? Because in the pandemic, we have really high inflation. If that money stays the same, then your actual buying power doesn't, right? It, it decreases. So, you know, student strikes are not just about the money. They're not just about bread and butter issues. And that's why I love York University. They're actually about the issues that, that matter to people, like the, the human side of things, the kind of benefits that they get out of it. If they're working too long, uh, uh, an acknowledgement of the actual amount of work uh, that goes into grading papers, doing assignments, making sure that actual money is allocated there, making sure that people have the benefits that they want. Um, you know, if you, you, they, they can get like uh, external healthcare, all of this good stuff. So um, really, really this strike at York University, what makes it unique is that it's a combination of all of those things. Um, and, you know, we're coming to the end of a collective agreement. There are three different groups who are gonna be ratifying all at once. You know, uh, in 2018, there was only two. And you know, when the professors, the faculty, they got a good deal, uh, it, it, it actually tended to, to divide and, and, and break up that solidarity building that comes with collective power, that comes with you know, forming and organizing around a strike. And this year, uh, there's less of an opportunity for that to happen. So 
Um, the one thing I will say, please don't see strikes as, as a bad thing. You know, they're a really, really great thing. They're actually a demonstration that, that folks understand what they want and what they're doing and that they're fighting to make it happen. University administration should see the exact same way, right? They, they, it just means that their workers want more and they don't want to leave that space, right? Or else they would just, they would just all go. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, in, in, in retro, or I guess in summation, basically the strike that tends to go on at York University, or that's the student strike at York University. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a big proponent of student striking in general. Maybe I shouldn't say this, <laughs> but like, no. know, like the things that we're facing today, especially with this degree, especially with what we're, we've all been studying with the environment, that's stuff that's going to be affecting the youth. So I think the youth need to be the ones who are, you know, speaking out about it Speak and up. researching it, talking about it. It needs to be us. It needs to be us. And so Nati, now that this has been avoided, what would you say the student strike could have looked like? Oof. Well, in 2018, we broke records. <laughs> we were, I think it was a 256 day strike and I'm, I'm just pulling this out of a news report. It was a long time, um, but I think that this would have been an even more timely strike. And I think it would have looked like, uh, it would have been a struggle for, for the groups, the, the, the bargaining units, right? It really, really would have been a challenge because of everything that's happening with COVID, because they're dipping into the reserve funds. Uh, and also because, you know, they can't set up picket lines. The visibility of their strike action wouldn't be there, right? And then you can't garner sympathetic support. You can't garner sympathy from other unions. And, and what that sympathy really is, is building solidarity, right? Sympathy is just acknowledging that this is what's yeah. happening. Here are the issues, yes, right? And then the other unions, the other groups, uh, whatever the community organizations, uh, environmental organizations, they show their support in, in the various ways that they can, whether that be you know uh, nonviolence, civil disobedience, whatever it might be. So I think there really would have been um, uh, a complex of trying to work out, not being able to do this picket line, um, and, and not being able to, or, or having to deal with the pressure of COVID-19 uh, at the same time as, you know, being a really unique situation to kind of leverage those things to be like, hey, you know, how are you going to be taking these things away from us while there's an ongoing pandemic, right? Yeah. So, so those, are, those are the kinds of things that are uh, counterbalancing. Um, and I would see it as amazing social media campaigns. I see it right now. I'm working with the Canadian Labor Congress. I'm, I'm looking at how education is transitioning online. It would be a whole new communication medium. And I, I really do think it would have been extremely innovative. I do hope that there's still organization uh, for the different units at QB around that kind of innovation and, and really trying to connect with people uh, beforehand, proactively before striking. It's really tough right now, especially because there's an election, but uh, in, in the long run, right? This actually might end up organizing around like uh, uh, political <laughs> changes, right? It might be supporting or backing one political group um, that, that might be more favorable to, to the needs of the time. And while it's governed by, you know, the provincial government, uh, having that federal support is really, really big. If we break another record, uh, getting pressure from the federal government to be like, hey, you need to respect post-secondary students who have already paid for their education and can't get it because these folks are withdrawing their labor because you're whatever, you don't want to give them what they want. Like, those are the kinds of things that you want to garner. And, and again, like, renorm the fact that like, hey, uh, this strike happens every three or four years. There's obviously a problem between the relationships between post-secondary students uh, and post-secondary institutions. And it's not just in York University or at York University, it's also happened. There was a college strike that was also a record-breaking strike. Um, so I think, I think we would have seen new records or, or new modalities of, of organizing, not just students and not just sympathizers, but you know, everyday regular people. Right? So that's, yeah. that's what I would say. 
Yeah, and guys, don't forget to vote for your international man of mystery, Austin Powers. Stay groovy. <laughs> don't forget. On the real though, vote. Vote this election. <laughs> I don't even, if you vote for the opposite, I don't think that there's an opposite in the political spectrum, but do vote. I, if, if it's the national man of mystery you want in power, do it, but show up. Show that you have a voice. Show that you care about your Stand. voice. Stand. Yeah, exactly. Number exactly. one way to, to yeah. make your voice heard. Honestly, Amen. Amen. the pandemic looms large over everything right now, right? Amen. I mean, you, you kind of hit on it, but sort of how does it, how did it affect, if you know, how did it affect the negotiations on both sides? Of it's a good question. It's a very good question. And I wish I had more, you know, <laughs> uh, a concrete information. I didn't come as prepared as I should be. Um, but it is, it is a huge pressure. Uh, I already spoke a little bit about the political dimensions, uh, but also at the bargaining table, at the negotiating table, right? The union is at a distinct disadvantage um, from some perspectives, some perspectives, they're at a unique advantage. Um, but like in that workplace, uh, you just don't have as many chips, right? You, you just can't disrupt students and you don't see students complaining about you know, what's happening. And so really at the negotiating table, it's, it's, you're trusting, you're relying really, really hard on your amazing negotiators, which York University does. You're, you're relying on uh, favorable labor arbitrators that, that are selected by you know, both parties and accepted by both parties. Um, and you really hope that you don't get mandated back to work. So you try and bring, you know, some people start on left field, some people start on right field, and, and then they come to the middle ground, right? You, you really don't wanna be too out of sorts. Right. You, you really want to yeah. be contained within that so that, you know, there is the possibility for a negotiation to be reached. Um, and again, I'm, I'm actually unsure if a negotiation is reached. I don't know if the collective agreements have been ratified. Uh, right. So maybe this is just an organizing period. Maybe uh, the bargaining units are waiting until a more opportune time for this to happen. Like when students are about to come back onto campus, they've been waiting a year and a half, two years to come back onto campus. Um, and then there's going to be like these people who are, who are preventing them or essentially putting barriers in front of them from coming on. Um, and, you know, respect the picket lines. That's what I will say, because those people are not trying to stop you or anything. They're just trying to tell you there's a problem at the place that you're going to. Please be aware of that problem. And, you know, if you can actually understand it, you, you might have a reason to not want to go there. Right. And, and so like talk to them, listen to them. Well, you answered the next four questions I had. <laughs> one answer. Oh so, my um, god! Love Nazi. I'm here. <laughs> no, they were great questions. You know, uh, really had to think there on the spot. And I hope I hope there's some folks who hear this and are like, yeah, let's let's engage and talk about this and let's correct Nati and, and tell them our thoughts. <laughs> well, my email's gonna be flooded. Well, at this time and timestamp too with the the podcast. Um. <laughs> bit of incorrect information yeah. <laughs> oh yeah this is a good time to plug our email address because <laughs> now we have a we have a separate email address um, oh yeah woohoo let's go let's it's, go it's changemaker.podcastyu at gmail.com so say that again one more time. encore changemaker changemaker.podcastyu at gmail.com and why do you email us for anything suggestions anything. criticism conspiracy um, theories oh, we, we both love a good to, to talk you want about a, a good feature ash theory. and kaylee will get you a feature 
Of oh, course. Absolutely. If you, you guys might. have anything you want to say, come on our show. Yes, we're, we're always we're always open to, to guest ideas uh, and and subject ideas. So yeah, send us send us your and props too. We always love props. We always like a, you know like yeah, I really like this bit. Just asking fishing for compliments, eh? <laughs> compliments compliments are good. We we all need a good compliment once in a while. It's true. We have a news and discussion segment oh, yes. coming up. Yes. Do either of you want to stay on for that? I'm I down. Do, but I have one quick question. I have one question okay. for, for all three of you, um, because I feel like folks know what UCSA is now. And folks know what EUC is. Uh, and folks know the kind of stuff that, that they're planning. But, you know, I was the co-chair last year. I know the ins and outs. Um, and I want to ask y'all. I'm no longer the co-chair, just, just being super clear here. But what, what are y'all gonna do that's different than last year to make sure that folks are, you know, really, really enjoying their time well, and really enjoying their time in the UC? Throw it Nancy, at me. Tell me I'll have you know, I'll have you know right now, we're, we're launching something just next week, you know, the Discord, the Discord for the faculty. It's the online community, okay? That stuff is huge. I'm telling you the amount of work that went into that all summer, I plan for it to be a big thing. Um, so that's the first order of business. Honestly, the next steps, we're just trying to figure out like events, whether or not online or in person hybrid, that's going to be a challenge, especially getting, uh, I guess, getting the word out to the new students who are not used to this, right. They're not used to what Bess has done in the past and what Yux is doing now. So that stuff, I can't tell you right now because a, I'm going to be leaking that information and I don't want you to be the reason for that. B, well, some, we got holes somewhere, but we ain't going to talk about that. Schedule's <laughs> being made, Natty. Okay, okay, okay. No, it sounds good. Under lock and key. I like it. I like it. But it's I want it to be, it's, it's under wraps bit, but I want it to be fun. I want people to know that this is not just work, hard-ass work for no, no smiles, okay? We do this work because we love to do this work, and we do it together. That's fun part about it all. Nice. No, yeah. I love you. For me, for me at least, I, I'm also the public relations officer. <laughs> I'm really trying to like up my engagement. Like I've been on all summer on the social media pages for Yuxa, and I don't know, I'm just trying to like answer people's questions because people slide in our DMs and are like, hey, how can I join? I'm like from Schulich. I'm from like other campuses. I'm a grad student. Like we have a whole bunch Natty. of people come on. You hear her right now? <laughs> this woman, the amount of work, oh my God, the amount of, like, I can't even explain. You should see the new aesthetic on her page, FYI. Also, communications coordinator over here, chief of communications, Ash. He is the new host for this. I know you kickstarted it last year. He's taken the initiative to continue it. And you should see his agenda, which I'm sure he's showed you. But the, the team that we have this year has been grinding, and I appreciate it so much. Also, can I just add, since I got Canva Pro, I've been making like meeting agendas and really fancy and stuff. And our meetings, oh, they're so cool. Can I just say? I'm pretty hype. Pretty hype. Oh, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. The standard has always been pretty high with y'all, especially with engagement on the one side. Ash always taking care of communication, asking the right questions. I can, I honestly, I, I don't know. I hope you showed us, I hope you showed the previous executive up, the whole executive. Please do. You only make it for everybody. Please, please, please. Level up. Level up. Level up. 
and no pressure you know what i'm saying i, I just got high expectations now i i, I expect the most <laughs> uh you guys can't tell my cam off but i'm hiding right now that is the reason i knew natty was gonna be here <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, all right. Sorry for hijacking your news segment. Please go back. <laughs> okay, so a news article I was reading. You got to oh. put the news theme song in here now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so... There was a, a study done by the World Weather Attribution Scientific Consortium uh, that said that recent floods in Europe were anywhere from 20 to 800% more likely to have been that severe simply because of ongoing climate change. And that according to the records, they, they've just never, I, they said they, it, it happens once every 400 years, but it wasn't supposed to happen because it only happened 200 years ago. So it's accelerating at quite the pace. And I should say more than a few people did die. And that is, and yeah, that, that's terrible. I mean, people are, people are dead now because, well, there just, there just wasn't enough to, to prevent that there wasn't enough political action there wasn't enough business no action mitigation strategies for that yeah the mitigation Unprecedented flood exactly the mitigation strategies didn't catch up to what was what was uh not necessarily what was predicted because that's another point that that kayla will bring up but the mitigation strategies <laughs> just weren't there um yeah so so converse <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a really fine way to dance around you know um the fact that climate change is very real and when you don't address it those are the impacts right there's a loss of life there isn't just a loss of space there isn't just you know waste in terms of all the buildings that were destroyed but there's uh, evidence of a waste of time in terms of the way that we're allocating our resources and using things you know uh it's 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 serious and people people joke around climate change they're like oh yeah it's gonna happen there's nothing we could do about all of this stuff but there's so much that we can do all of those mitigation strategies they they're <laughs> they, it's as simple as making sure that the ban of uh, on single-use plastics happens like five years sooner than it's supposed to right which oh, is yes years, but like yep. thank goodness right but like there you mentioned it you threw it out there ash right there's no no political will the willingness to actually do these things this goes against so much of what we're used to in society today so like it, we're, we're, we're putting our, our comforts and our norms and what we're used to before other people's lives and, and because they're just not like you know we're alienated to their lived experience we don't live on the coast right so it's a big old it's a big old issue and and i i'm i'm it's so unfortunate to, to hear it's really really unfortunate to hear accelerating by at, at two times the rate from 400 years to 200 years that's yeah it's crazy uh, yeah yeah and uh, the article mentions there's a climate scientist that's like in the article we were looking at um, about the Western Europe floods. And he's just saying how like people are expecting this is only going to happen in countries that are less affluent, that are not, um, you know, equipped with the right research and technology to kind of have emergency procedures in place. But in reality, no one is actually really prepared for anything. Right. To happen. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. 
we're just as like we're just as endangered as other places in the world if not more um it's just crazy to me and i think the pandemic is a big example of how unprepared we really are all over the world preach yeah and and also a call to action you know start getting prepared um and what does being prepared look like you know just yeah. doing your part you know asking your boss to retrofit his buildings if, if if that's even a possibility right signing up for grants being a part of things or groups like you know the climate solutions park right like like that's mm -hmm. that's what preparing for an entire climate emergency looks like like global yeah. like this is this is the next pandemic you know this is the next thing that's going to impact billions of people uh, it yeah. already is impacting billions so well, exactly and instead of like having alarmist headlines and just making it feel like everyone should feel helpless and there's nothing we can possibly do about it it's like we need to actually start putting adaptive mitigation procedures in place get people prepared and the thing is we can but we're not yeah you know we can but we aren't yeah. nope yeah at the risk of sounding extraordinarily controversial here because there's just too much money in not doing it. Yeah, yeah. But hey, that's why I said, you know that's what? Actually, we're off the air. You make a great point. <laughs> you, you really do make a great point. But that's yeah. why, you know, if there's too much money, right? And and right now, money is quote unquote power. Get in those political positions. Go be go beyond voting. Forget voting. Go and run for public office. Run as the mayor in your municipality. Be on city council. Like do the things where you can get in position. Be the change. If, if you are not in a position of power, at least be a gatekeeper, right? Um, go to public dissertation, or yeah, dissertate, public, go to public forums and, and speak on behalf of, of, you know, people that you know that also feel the same way and, and go and meet up with those people so you can keep on learning, yo. Like it's, there's so much that can be done to, to make this money is power thing quake in its own boots. And, and like, it's, 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 I know there's a lot of money in not doing it. It's, it's the biggest thing that we're reckoning with as a society, but there's so much. There's so, like, literally, you can be, what, 18 years old, 19 years old, and start running for public office, right? Like, do it. Speak to your neighbors. Be like, hey, this is a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm so sorry. I'm always about the action piece, so. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm not really very good at running, you know? I'm more of a walking kind of person, but it is very crucial that everyone at least tries it once in their life, I'd assume. So give it a shot, guys, okay? <laughs> Might run out of breath the first time, but I'm sure it gets better a few times after. <laughs> Join student clubs and groups like Active York and, and walk with some people beside you and just make that yes. walking like 10 times better. There's so much, there's so Haven't much. you seen those KD commercials for the Olympics where they're like run walking? What's it called? Fast walking? Fast walking. walking. Yes. Oh my God. That's the way you do it. Okay. <laughs> it's all in the hips and the form. We can't see it right now. I'm doing a little sauce the in my The technique. Yeah. Did you ever see that? I was just thinking about that commercial. <laughs> I'm always thinking about that commercial. It's like that one thing that lives rent free in my head. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you ever see that episode of Malcolm in the Middle? I, I'm old, everybody. That episode of Malcolm in the Middle, um, where the, the the dad does the quick walk, Hal does the quick walking, and then there's his rival who like does it uh, faster than he does, and he gets so obsessed and crazy, and he finds out he isn't actually quick walking, he's just doing minute jumps, and so he was cheating, <laughs> and it was just hilarious. I was trying to commercial like that too when we were younger. <laughs> like a bunch of dads would like like compete and speed race around the, the block. I don't know. I mean like this vague repressed memory come up. <laughs> <laughs>
I've got the Yelp commercials repressed in my brain. I forgot those existed. Oh, my God. oh. We're definitely something. <laughs> the song is now stuck in my head. Thank you. Yo, <laughs> me, mama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know oh like my five words. Send help. I read <laughs> bilingual on my resume, but that's a lie. Wait, that was a lie? Oh my god. <laughs> myth, myth, myth. Well, you know, we're all we're all bilingual in some way. Yeah. You you I can be bilingual English. if you have enough confidence. That's oh, wow. true. All the bilingual, we're going to get a bunch of emails again. From the bilingual <laughs> people are like, oh, no, I know like multiple languages. And like, good for you. <laughs> no, so it's I, great. It's great. I can barely people- speak English, Ash. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, man. I'm like, most days. I'm like a half unilingual, you know. Half <laughs> <laughs> unilingual. Yeah, yeah. I speak with my friends and like, they're like, hey, man, was that, what did you say? I'm <laughs> Does receptive bilingualism count? Because I can understand another language. I just can't speak it. Um, Not so, you know, yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's halfway there. So do we have anything more to say? I I noticed Kaylee had a side note on this. Oh, yeah, I guess I could put it in here now, even though we just spent, I don't even know. how long on very different topics um but i don't know i forget where i heard this but um scientists are saying now that their predictions for the severity of weather events were actually underestimated so you know i think our whole lives we've been hearing about how when climate change happens it's just going to be more extreme weather events so like higher winds more rain etc etc but now scientists have come out and said it's not only that, it's actually times like a thousand. So uh, oh. I've, I've, I was just thinking about that. I forget where I heard it, but it's pretty scary that like, it's just accelerating. It's at such a point where like, we can't even predict it anymore. Uh, exit log oh, delete. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just scared. Yeah, yeah truly. So- so I was, I, I was actually reading a paper on just this subject um, earlier today. So it, w- it was more of an article, not really a paper. But I say a paper to make myself sound more intelligent. That it said, so that because prediction models are based on legacy data. Yeah. So a lot of the data is compiled before the most severe effects of climate change have been realized. So it's changing so fast that the legacy data can't keep up with it. So the predictions aren't, are severely underestimating just how bad it is. Yeah, that's actually, I think if I read the article correctly, that's actually what they were tacking um, Western Europe's unpreparedness down to is that they didn't have enough data from the past 100 years to even support that this would happen there. So it's pretty scary. Like it's all happening so fast. And so many people are unaware or if they are aware, they're just ignorant to the topic. You know what I mean? Like they're just, they're not listening. Yeah. They're choosing not to understand. Like, yeah. I think to a point it might Which even be desensitization. Right, right, right. So often. That it's like, what can, what are we going to determine as, 
what are we going to deem as like really urgent versus just a little bit urgent? Like it's been urgent for our whole lives, at least, you know, it's terrifying. <laughs> there's definitely a growing indifference. I don't think, I don't necessarily think it's like, I do agree that there's like a, a degree of like desensitizing that's happening, right? Just like same way that, you know, there's, there's a degree of desensitizing around everything that's been happening really recently. We're in such a unique moment in time, but mm. I think, I think it's just a general indifference, right? I think it's just, um, you know, being so alienated from the problem, being being in cities that have really, really decent infrastructure, you know, uh, like we're super, uh, I guess, lucky to be in Canada. I, I was going to yeah. say, I would say even to some degree, it's a privilege, but like, um, we're lucky to have like a tax system that puts a lot of money towards infrastructure specifically for these things, so much so that we can go and help other countries when they're dealing with it. But it's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's astounding. I, I hope, I hope the indifference changes because that's, that's something you can change, right? Being desensitized is a little bit rough, but indifference. And that's what, that's what needs to change though. That indifference is what's, it's delaying us from acting, I, I guess. In a, I don't even know how to word this. I just, it, I get to a point in this conversation where I just <laughs> literally speechless because yeah. I'm just so nervous about, about what's gonna happen in the future. I, I don't know. Yeah, climate anxiety. And I feel like, uh, sorry, Chris, you off there, Kaylee. I, I, sometimes <laughs> I can't tell when who's talking next, but um, I think another podcast topic might, be even on that climate anxiety or what you just said because yeah. even being in environmental studies people think and I've heard this from a, quite a few people in the program and beyond they just think that like because we're studying the topic oh we're gonna we're gonna save the world we have a handle on things we're not scared no I'm absolutely terrified and that's the reason I'm in this program is to learn about it and see how, how can I face that fear a lot of people are backing down because they're scared yeah I went to the doctor the other day and like I don't know he was just small talking while he was doing my checkup and I told him what I was studying and he goes oh so you're gonna save the world and I'm like no, uh, like not no like like that's not how this exactly works you know <laughs> and it just that's not like, people are so willing to just push it off to somebody else like that's this entire problem right yep. No one actually wants to take up responsibility. Oh, most days, every day. It's it's a thought in my brain all the time. Um, I just wish that people, everyone in the planet could have the opportunity to be where we are in this program and to learn what we're learning, you know, because yeah. maybe then they'd, they'd realize or, I don't know, feel like they, they, they need to listen. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think a huge um, factor in that indifference is all the, the disinformation mm. and misinformation i mean look at the uh switching slightly off topic uh, about the the vaccines right there was so much misinformation about it and we've all heard some wacky stories about the vaccine <laughs> the the covid vaccines yeah. and because of that people become unsure if there are companies out there who are saying, oh, you know, climate change isn't that bad. Continue investing in our oil funds. Um, then there are people on this side saying climate change is that bad. You're going to be you. Like, not everybody has access to, to all this knowledge. And you're going to be torn between it, thinking, is it or isn't it? And then you're just going to say, well, maybe I'll just take a step back. 
I get really optimistic, you know, trying to like I'm always I'm always trying to find the the the, the happier side of things, right? When people can't figure out what is what, you know, how do you help them figure out what is what? And I'm I'm optimistic. I'm looking forward to seeing maybe changes to uh, you know, publicly funded education in Ontario, you know, like those kinds of things, because I, I think it has to be addressed. Like, like, how do you address climate anxiety? Like, how do you address like the great uncertainty? you know, give people a little bit more uh, certainty now. And I really hate how things get pushed off into the next generation. I remember being told, it's like, yeah, yeah, you guys are, you got a good head on your shoulders. You'll take care of it. Um, but like, it is, it is. A well, what does that mean? Can you translate it, please? I don't, I don't understand. It does not compute. And it doesn't. It's just doesn't. gonna leave us this garbage fire, and it's <laughs> like our job to change it. Just but, leave us, yeah. The Gulf of Mexico. It was the Gulf of Mexico that was on fire, right? That's what it yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave that to us. When water starts catching on fire, like, Did can you I see those tweets? Oh, it's a portal. They, oh, we finally figured out how to open the portal to hell. We've done it, guys. <laughs> Achievement. Oh my god. Plus, I've left the chat. I mean, there's a. There's a natural gas hole in Kazakhstan. Forgive oh. me if I'm wrong, that has been burning for the last 50 years. It's either in Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan or Kyrgyzstan. I should know this is a geography person, but <laughs> don't roast me. Here we go again with the emails. Spamming in the emails, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Okie doke. So. We have a segment, a portion of our segment that's going to be held at the end of every episode from now on. Um, <laughs> Ash has encouraged me to call it Factor Myth Fridays because that was Love what it. jokingly said it was going to be on our socials. And I think it kind of stuck. So that's what it, it's going to be. Um, but basically, every episode will be including a short question that pertains to some of the things we were discussing. Um, notably the news piece from this week. So this will be an opportunity for our listeners to kind of chime in and tell us what they think, test their new knowledge, and you'll be able to later guess on our social media pages, on like a poll on our social media stories, what you think the correct answer is. And then you can come back here and tune into our podcast every new episode, and we will have told you the correct answer at the beginning. So without further ado, today's factor myth question is, Floods in Western Europe were 20% more likely because of climate change. Fact or myth? So if you know the answer, keep it to yourself, yes. <laughs> but you guys can go vote on our polls and we'll tell you guys in like two weeks time what the answer is. Yeah, two weeks it, time. It's all until then. Just mull it over. I'm hyped for this <laughs> new, uh, new thing we're doing. Complicate that answer. Just just send him an email blast. Like it, it's it's no, it's neither truth nor false. You know, like this is exactly. <laughs> They're all ah, questions. <laughs> there isn't gonna be a third option. There's there. This is a yes or no poll. I just like to make your lives more difficult. That's okay. <laughs> You're gonna be showing me up this year, okay? Let me throw wrenches in there. <laughs> well, we use wrenches to build things here. So if you throw them, we'll just use them to build something better. Yeah, my reflexes are very good. I'll catch it. <laughs> my reflexes are garbage. I won't. I'm leaving that to, I'm leaving the catching to Kaylee. I got you, Ash. You're already dealing with your brother in a Kool-Aid costume any minute. <laughs> it's the Kool-Aid costume for me. 
Okay, Dale. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Why did I do that? <laughs> that about wraps it up. Um, thank you both, Summer and Nati, for coming on, for being great guests, um, for having a good laugh, and always, always having wise things to say. Yes, definitely. Thank you for having us here, and it was a pleasure to accompany you guys and have Natty sitting beside us virtually again. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for, for having me and for the, the high praises again. It's always a it's always a pleasure, you know. Um I'm excited to be here again. Don't like if there are gaps, if you want more people on your conspiracy theory episodes, I'll be there. Oh hell yeah. I'm also gonna encourage folks, you know, we had Noor last season come and join us. It was an awesome conversation. So folks come and join. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you both. This has been really fun. Um, Cue the outro music. Yeah. Not quite yet. <laughs> Not, Not yet. Quite yet. <laughs> still to we come. still have some plugging to do. So. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, take cool. care. I'm going All to right. eat some poutine now, guys. Take care. Bye. Enjoy have that poutine. <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all. Okay, doc. So, next episode, we'll be having why you fossil free on we're yes. going to be talking about the divestment campaign and mm -hmm. how they are calling for york university to essentially get rid of its shares in the fossil fuel industry have a wonderful two weeks everybody we'd be very lucky to have you and our email is changemaker.podcastyu at gmail.com. Yes. Thanks again for joining and have a good one. Have a lovely Friday. <laughs> <laughs>